This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Go With Yammo. Go With Yammo is an art exhibition app which helps you to find the exhibitions, art fairs and art events happening all around you. The app displays exhibitions based on your location, so the one closest to you will be at the top of the list, but if you're planning a trip, you can of course change your location to a different city. What makes the app really fun is that whenever you are at an exhibition, you can check in and earn points, which can then be used to redeem prizes from the in-app store, such as prints, exhibition tickets, books and more. Go With Yamo also create custom virtual exhibitions for galleries and artists. They will be creating the virtual space for our upcoming Art on a Postcard summer auction, which is definitely worth checking out. You can find all of these on their website, along with some great blog content, including artist interviews, exhibition recommendations, quizzes and reviews. The app is free to download from the App Store and the Google Play Store, so make sure you check it out and visit their website, www.gowithyamo.com. That's www.g-o-w-i-t-h-y-a-m-o.com. Hello and welcome to Art on a Podcast, the podcast created by Art on a Postcard. With a private view this week for our summer auction and the bids already flying in, I am sad and sorrowful to say that this is the last podcast of this season. Season 7, I believe. (laughs) I will be back though sooner than usual um, because I have a great series lined up that I will be co-hosting by someone very exciting. I can't say who that person is because we haven't announced anything yet, but all I'm saying is that this person will no doubt show me up with her art knowledge and her talent, (laughs) but also bring lots to the discussions. But you'll have to just keep checking our social media for updates at Art on a Postcard to find out who that is later on this summer. Um, For now, though, we end on a lovely note with the brilliant Zoe Hawke, whose works are featured in the auction and are lots 439 and 440. Zoe Hawke's work deals with the complex experience of girlhood, exploring adolescent anxiety, feminine identity and belonging. Zoe holds a BFA in studio art from Missouri State University and an MFA in painting from the University of Iowa. Her work has been exhibited both nationally and internationally and included in publications such as New American Paintings, Plastic Magazine, Art, Maze Mag and Joya Magazine. She has attended artist residencies in Ireland, Norway, Belgium and Qatar and the Women's Studio Workshop in Rosendale, New York. Special collaborative projects have included pieces for Zara's Women in Art Clothing Collection, released worldwide in 2019, and the Daydreamers Tarot Deck, created for International Documentary Film Festival True False in 2020. So he is currently based in Columbia, Missouri. I'll see you at the end of the podcast.
good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. We don't get sun often in England, so <laughs> it's here today, so I'm happy. Um, whereabouts am I calling you? Um, I'm in my studio, which is in my house, um, in uh, Columbia, Missouri, which is in the U.S. Nice, nice. Well, it's lovely to meet you, and thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Um, so I thought to kick us off, um, which is where we usually start, um, if you would just kindly introduce yourself and a bit about what you do. Yeah, I am a uh, painter primarily. I do a little bit of drawing and printmaking as well. Um, my work uh, for many years now has sort of centered around the idea of girlhood um, and adolescence. Um, my paintings uh, are usually multiple figures, but sometimes there's a single solitary uh, girl in the in the picture. But um, they're very bright and candy colored. Um, uh, yeah, that's just a yeah. little short summary of what I do. <laughs> We're going to get into it now, I guess, for the podcast. But I think that summarizes it brilliantly. Um, I wanted to come to this theme because I suppose the themes of your work are so um like there's such a through line between each of your paintings this theme just of girlhood um adolescence um the kind of anxieties that come with that identity of being um a young teenage girl um and I wanted to ask you just to go right back to the very beginning mm -hmm. is that this fascination with that experience deriving from your own experience at that age oh yes absolutely um yeah, I, I've always, even when I was a child, I liked to draw girls. Um, you know, I really liked drawing them wearing different clothes and I liked um, sort of creating little narratives about, about them. Um, I liked storytelling. Um, and uh, so that was like, an, became a natural focus for me when I started painting. But um, yeah, when I look back, to my own adolescence, there is a lot of um, anxiety from that period that I definitely draw on for my own paintings. Um, there is, uh, I, I sort of remember this uh, romantic fascination with what womanhood was, but it was also this sort of scary period where you know, you really don't know what is going to happen. It's just this mysterious, inevitable uh, future that's a little bit terrifying. Um, and I and I remember um, the feelings of um, kind of coming to grips with some of the harsh realities of womanhood. Like men start looking at you, you get unwanted looks, uh, you start, you know, having to like wear a bra and like get teased and um, uh, you have to start dealing with social pressures and uh, there's just all of these heavy, heavy things. Um, you know, you, you learn about violence towards women and all these things that you maybe were shielded from as a child, hopefully shielded from as a child. So all of those anxieties, I feel like I kind of um, draw upon in, in, in my work. Yeah. 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 I think you capture it just so perfectly, especially that sort of like being that age and being an adolescent uh, girl you feel oftentimes like you have this sort of um, you're at this kind of meeting point between um, 
like virginal kind of you know being told that like being innocent and being docile (laughs) is like lovely and sweet but also you know you're kind of plummeting towards a kind of sexuality so you're kind of gearing up for that and you know being told that being sexy is good and like appealing and everything but then you also have this thing that blindsides you that's like yeah but also like violence against women is really prevalent so be careful so it's kind of like you're trying to figure out like where to sit yourself that feels most comfortable and it's oftentimes not that simple um and I feel that you really really this theme is so apparent in your work um, and I thank you for that I think I've had such a great time researching for this podcast thank you yeah I really try um in in the paintings to uh, like you said capture the that the, both both feelings like the the um you know, on first glance, I want the viewer to kind of get the sense of that sort of rosy childhood innocence with the color palette being sort of like pinks and, you know, candy colors. And, um, but uh, I always try to give sort of a mysterious or unsettling kind of undercurrent uh, in the imagery. And um, sometimes people will say, oh, I love your paintings. Um, I'm really sorry, though, but they're kind of creepy. And I'm like, no, you don't have to say sorry. They're supposed to be a little bit creepy. Like, that's what I'm going for. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I get that. There was one in particular that I found the most sort of like, like unsettling. And it was where it was one where she stood. um, It's kind of a little bit like a it looks like an aquarium or something. And there's a kind of a mermaid figure or something just like suspended kind of floating and and it's like really just like caught me off guard when I just considered that this I felt simultaneously like the girl and the mermaid you know it's kind of like it's it was it was it it really reminded me of just that that terrifying but kind of alluring vision that we have of, of womanhood when we're a teenager and then similarly as we get older the fact that like our bodies become fem- like woman bodies, but like generally my mind, I'm like just as childish and silly as I always was. <laughs> I love that. I love that you had that response of feeling like both the mermaid and the girl. That's absolutely um, something that I would like people to feel when they're looking at a painting like that. Um, yeah, and, and really, you know, the expressions that I try to use, you know, in, in the paintings are supposed to be, you know, meaningful, you know, the mermaid is not a happy mermaid, you know, she's sort of based on these in Florida, uh, they had in the 60s, they had these, actually, I think they still have them, these women who would wear mermaid costumes and like swim in a tank and then little kids would come watch them and um, in the pictures, they're all smiling and happy, but I made her face a little bit more sad in the hopes that, uh, you know, that the, the viewer would, um, you know, realize that, uh, that it was a bit more of a metaphor for, for womanhood and transformation. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you had that response. Yeah. So, yeah, so you have the, this, these feelings and these thoughts about um, your own experience and just what that theme and that experience entails, kind of generally speaking as well. When did you decide to start putting it in the painting? Like, when did that happen for you? Um, yeah, I, I was uh, studying painting in school. Um, in undergrad, I you know, was interested in portraiture. Um, and I always had these kind of, I was always kind of interested in gender and 
feminism. And uh, when I got to grad school, I was still doing these portraits that were real people like sitting in front of me um, with some sort of vague feminist symbolism happening, you know, but it wasn't very, uh, you know, I hadn't quite gotten it yet, like what I was trying to say or what I was trying to do. And, you know, my professors really pushed me to look a little deeper and um, be a little bit more experimental. Um, and I started taking some classes um, and, and I, I, I read a little bit about um, um, Native American uh, boarding schools that uh, existed here in the United States in the 1800s, where they would take these children and put them in these strict, um, they'd take them from their families and put them in these strict environments uh, and force them to wear these uncomfortable um, uniforms. So these girls would be put in these itchy wool dresses and then their bodies were uh, monitored, their, their periods were monitored. Um, they were subjected to all kinds of, you know, punishments and things. They were, they were extremely gendered. They were given um, uh, traditional, like, you know, Western European white kind of cultural um, expectations about, oh, women work in the kitchen and when, you know, women uh, cook and, you know, take care of kids. So um, this idea of clothing um, and assimilation became kind of interesting to me. And um, I sort of started to explore the other concepts of uniforms like Girl Scout uniforms, uh, nurse uniforms, school girl uniforms, any kind of uniform um, and how that could be tied in with uh, this sort of feminine identity. Um, and from there, I started to look deeper into like the emotional aspect of that about that period of adolescence where you're sort of being formed into a person and you're, you're trying to find your place within the group. Um, and so the matching clothes sort of became this metaphor for belonging. Um, so it kind of evolved. It was a, it was a long evolution um, and it took some bravery for me to finally sort of start to feel like I could inject the work with my own personal experience and my own sort of um, raw emotion about what it means to be a girl and an, and an adolescent yeah mm, wow that's so that's so interesting and kind of um I love to hear how sort of detailed you are in terms of like you know researching the different costumes and um investigating that the costumes are you know really apparent in the in the works but also so is the so are the settings and the environments that you place the figures in so it might be a school hall or a forest or a lake or a classroom um the settings seem like they can oftentimes be just as important as the figures that inhabit them um am i right in thinking this and also what is behind your sense of place like when do you decide where you're going to place the next one yeah um, yeah, the settings are very important to me. Um, uh, yeah, I do a lot of I do a lot of research. I have a, a, a huge library of, of old, you know, school books and things that I kind of draw from, um, uh, and old like magazines from the fifties. You know, I'll find like little little uh, suburban house interiors and or exteriors that I use. Um, but yeah, the settings really. Um, uh, kind of indicate something to me about um, um, the identity of those girls. Sometimes, sometimes it's it's about um, 
like if it's an institutional space, I'll use, you know, like these sort of rigid, rigid institutional walls, like a brick wall of a schoolyard or a fence or um, the interior of a classroom or a suburban house, um, which is really kind of about the structure, like social structure, cultural structure, and kind of reining the girls in. They sort of like have to exist within these parameters that are sort of set for them by society. Um, and then the, the, uh, the ones that take place in the wilderness are really kind of about them running wild. Like they're more like feral girls or um, there's also something about, I think the forest scenes that are about that sort of mystery that I talked about earlier, like the mystery, this sort of unknown mystery of womanhood. That's just like kind of unknowable. It's kind of dark and scary. And the girls are sort of navigating these um, uh, dangerous, you know, strange environments. Um, so yeah, each 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 environment says something different, I think, and 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 I really try often to make the environments feel slightly artificial, like maybe they're a stage set, or that I, I don't want them to feel like real spaces. Like I, I want the girls to feel like they're existing in this fictional fantasy world, so that it functions a little bit more metaphorically. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, and that sense of magic is so apparent. Like like you said, you know, I saw the most, I don't know if it's the most recent one, but the, the one that's kind of to the um, more recent end of your website with it, it's the girl stood in the lake and they're sort of like up to their shoulders. Yeah. And, like, and it's just like, it's like one of those things where it's like nothing actually bad is happening in that pit, in that picture. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It feels like it, this kind of strange, foreboding feeling of I'm not quite sure what's going on here, but um, but it has a kind of a ritual kind of element to it. Um, and I know that you did your tarot deck as well, um, which looks like such an interesting project. And I love to hear about that. But I wonder, is there a kind of a sense of is that magic kind of mm -hmm. important to you and prevalent in the work as well? Absolutely. Um... And I, and I like that you mentioned the, uh, that it kind of evokes a ritual because I often really like to use that sort of imagery of, um, you know, standing in a, in a pattern, like in a circle or you, you, or they're all wearing the same sort of like white shift dresses that kind of feels maybe a little cult-like or, um, <laughs> you know, you're sort of wondering or witchy. I, I really like things to feel witchy. Sometimes they'll be around a campfire or something where you, you kind of wonder if they're, yeah, engaging in some sort of um, magical practice or ritual. Mm -hmm. um, and that really is, you know, that kind of thing really fascinates me um, just as, as a, you know, a cultural phenomenon, like, um, in, in using that imagery to talk about, again, that sense of belonging to the group or, you know, um, doing anything you can to find that sense of, of purpose or, or, or to be accepted by your peers. Um, and also talking just about the rituals of life. Like we have so many strange rituals. We, you know, we just sort of accept them, you know, what if it's a birthday party, you know, you, you know, whatever these things in our lives that we do um, as a, to create a sense of community that I think are very interesting. So yeah, I like to, I like to use those things in, in my work and um, your question about, about like a magic, I definitely like draw a lot from folk tales, fairy tales, you know, I love that feeling of there being something 
maybe supernatural or or magical kind of Mm, yeah me too I love that kind of I love the folkloric kind of um elements to your work and just in general as a topic as well but um it's interesting as well because there's a group of teenage girls that is just ever expanding on Instagram Mm. themselves like witches and there's a lot of like hashtag going on and it tends to be between with for girls between the ages of sort of 13 and 18 or something and they seem to share potions and special gemstones with each other from across the world and like there's something like you said I guess it's that notion of covens and sort of um sisterhoods that um seems to be prevailing now in 2021 as much as it might have done in sort of the 1500s or whatever. Yeah. I love that. I think that's that's really interesting. I, I I do I have been kind of aware that that's been a trending thing but I didn't realize that it was specific to young girls. That's fascinating to me. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so I I Actually, I was going to say that there's a book written about it, which is true, but I can't say the name of the book. I don't know the name <laughs> of it, so yeah. it's not very helpful for you of us. Um, so, yeah, we touched on the tarot deck um, just before that, and mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that project. I love looking at them, and I just wish I could own a tarot deck that looks that, <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, yeah, could you tell us a bit about that? Uh, yeah, I was um, commissioned to do that for uh, the True False International Film Festival. It actually happens here in Columbia, Missouri, where I live. Um, so the organizers came to me as a local artist and asked me to design this tarot deck for them. Um, their theme for 2020 was um, foresight. So they wanted to kind of uh, do something fun like that. I, I really didn't know much about tarot when I went into the project. Um, and there was actually a woman who who had a studio in the same building that I had my studio who had tarot decks, like she had a, like a dozen tarot decks dating back to like the 60s. And so she let me borrow them and I got to kind of like research all the, the imagery um, uh, so it was really fascinating to me to learn more about the symbolism of the cards and um, try to take this, that symbolism and, you know, put it through the lens of my own work. Um, and gender was a very interesting question for me when I was making them because there are a lot of male um, and, ma- you know, masculine characters in the traditional, uh, the writer weight tarot deck, which is what I modeled mine off of. Um, so I had to kind of figure out how, I, I knew right away I wanted to make them all girls. So, you know, to figure out how to do the emperor as a girl, you know, that kind of thing was was pretty fun, uh, fun and interesting project for me. Mm, yeah, I love that. Um, and I guess this comes very nicely over to your work um, on, a, on two postcards that you generously have donated to us. <laughs> Um, not quite the same dimensions, but <laughs> probably more similar to than what you're used to working at. Um, I absolutely love posture is um, one of the lots and windy is the other lot. And I absolutely love them. And actually, when I was looking through the cards, I was like, oh, my God, we need to speak to whoever's done these cards. <laughs> so. So, yeah. Could you talk to us a bit about your your um, cards and yeah, what's what's what was the thoughts behind them? Yeah, uh, this was a fun project. You know, I, I normally my scale I work at is not very big, but um, it's usually you know 
11 by 14 inches or so, you know, when I usually fit multiple figures in a scene. So this was a chance for me to kind of like try, it was a challenge to try to condense it down to postcard size. Um, and instead of making the figures teeny tiny, I decided to keep them closer to the scale. I usually liked for my figures to be sort of like a doll scale so that the paintings kind of feel like a dollhouse. So I kept them at a similar scale for the postcards. Um, uh, yeah, and it was, it was fun to try to kind of figure out how to create a little scene with one figure in each um, that would still have the sort of narrative um, weight that the bigger paintings have. So um, in the windy one, there's, it's, a, it's a windy day and there's a girl sitting on a picnic blanket. Um, and, uh, for, and, and the other one is a, a girl who's balancing a book on her head. Um, for both of them, I kind of wanted to uh, use these two sort of poses or scenes that you would think of traditionally, um, you would traditionally kind of associate with girlhood. So one of them is sort of like this picnic scene where she's wearing her Sunday best. She's got her little white gloves on. Um, and the other one is balancing a book on her head, uh, which girls used to do, maybe they still do for um, uh, trying to improve their posture. And both of the girls um, are encountering less than ideal uh, circumstances. So uh, in the windy one, she is wearing her nice dress, but her hair is getting kind of blown about. And um, there's a, a um, somebody has thrown a paper airplane at her. There's just, I kind of wanted to create like a little sense of chaos. Like it's not this perfect scene. There's a, a figure that's just out of view. So I kind of wanted to create a sense of mystery. Like who is she with? Who is she looking at? You know, again, her, her face is kind of, she looks a little, a little bit distressed or um, bored or, you know, it's not an ideal scenario. Um, and for the book balancer, I just wanted her to look a little unsure of herself She's, uh, in a kind of this precarious situation where the book is just gently sliding off of her head. So um, she doesn't clearly doesn't have perfect posture. She's <laughs> so each, each situation is takes this sort of like ideal of, of girlhood, but um, there's just slightly imperfect and it's just slightly, slightly off. Yeah, great. I love that so much. <laughs> I, I love the cards. Um, thank you so, so much for generously donating these two artworks. It's such a pleasure for us to have you participating this summer. Um, and also thank you for giving up some time to chat with me on the podcast as well. Yeah, thank you. It's very nice to talk to you. If you've liked today's episode and indeed this series, please be sure to like it and follow it. Um, on whatever platform you tend to listen to it. Um, share it, spread the word and follow us as well at Art on a Postcard for updates. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, the summer auction is now in full swing so you can put bids on all of the tremendous artworks that we have discussed in this series and many more. Please do take a look on our website at www.artonapostcard.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you very soon.